part three chapter nineteen of martin schuler by romer wilson the sleevervox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three berlin chapter nineteen it may well be said that the sun never sets on the noise created by the cosmopolitan gramophone company whose offices have for years been situated in the markgrafenstrasse herr boch and herr walker the proprietors kept up a melodious gyrating all over the world black discs belonging to them stamped with a little world supported by cupids spun round in every country of the globe at no time were all at rest and the earth quiet no sooner had those belonging to the garrison at shanghai ceased revolving than those in india began to go round like the spinning tops of buddha continuously they buzzed into noise round the world after the chariot of the sun until the garrison officers at shanghai met again in the smoking-room of their mess bernard steinbach stood by the window of the private room of the company's offices on the first floor of their establishment he had grown fatter since the production of the coquettes almost four years ago his shoulders were a little higher his face redder and the cheeks more puffed out he hardly ever laughed because the action lifted his glasses off his nose and because he had become grave since the loss of his illusions he wore a grey suit that was a little tight for him and stood at the window with the knuckles of his folded left hand resting upon his hip in his right hand he held a pipe he was very troubled and vexed with the idea of seeing martin again his mouth drooped and trouble passed in shadows across his brow he stared down out of the window vaguely watching the passers-by and coursing shame resentment and embarrassment ran through him and brought the blood to his face he hardly moved at all for ten minutes most of the time he kept assuring himself that had it not been for the money part of the question or had the money been less worth while he would never have come near martin again he had to assure himself of it however the yellow autumn sunlight shone on the tops of the buildings opposite for it was nearly half-past four of an early october afternoon herr walker came in he was tall and prussian with an air of having been close-shaved about the head since infancy steinbach looked round and said by way of greeting without moving from the window that sewing-machine shop across the road has your name on it yes answered walker in a pale highish voice that is a branch of the business my partner and friedrich cohen managed that steinbach very much desired to remain at the window in order to watch martin's arrival so he went on talking about the branch firm walker was not displeased to come to the window and enlarge upon its prosperity we make corset machines principally then you know the joke about the two mistresses of georges faber i do not our machines are used all over the world steinbach made no comment upon the universality of the boken sewing-machine who owed her name as walker wished to explain to the portmanteau of boke and cohen he went on with the story in which it appeared that a french lady had met a german lady in unfortunate circumstances under faber's roof and had told her that she was a simple-minded creature pushed by accident into the wrong kind of corsets walker laughed and then hurried to explain the pretty idea of the trade name of herr Bock's little jewel for walker had all the worst vices and mental attitudes of the over-assistant of a hosiery department 
a large car stopped in front of the house and steinbach put his head out of the window like a detective the effort made him redder than ever he saw a smart man in a navy blue suit and a blue homburg hat get out of the car followed by a commonplace-looking individual in a rough grey overcoat and tan gloves the man in blue looked like a very smart edition of martin schuler he seemed to have the same shoulders and the same walk what were his sentiments as he crossed the pavement or those as he came upstairs through the show-rooms he evidently did not intend to meet steinbach alone since he had brought a chaperone steinbach waited answering yes yes not without irritation to the pompous trade descriptions of Volker. schuler seemed very slow he must be looking at all the photographs of the singers upon the walls some of whom were probably his friends steinbach's patience was not great but his obstinacy did very well to make up for it he was always obstinate for a plan or for an advantage in spite of every delay and people said that he had the patience of job but this was not the case he had got over his sentiments and emotions some time ago with regard to this meeting at least that was his impression but all the same when he heard martin's voice outside the door and saw the handle of the door turn to let him in he was startled martin entered handsome and smart and brave and good health good looks and the attractiveness of one whom everybody spoiled filled the whole room steinbach had the feeling of struggling through several hoops of paper he was not happy well that is you steinbach said martin advancing this is my secretary wolf steinbach was nearly forced to reply as he shook hands with the ordinary creature wolf the former secretary is pleased to meet the present secretary however he felt too sore and uncomfortable to say anything but good day martin suspected that his old friend's feelings towards himself were not all good and he suddenly became self-conscious and looking at Volker, suggested that they should turn their attention to business everybody became at once impersonal and in half an hour the whole of the matter which concerned certain rights and gramophone records of the saddest singer were settled and the necessary signatures made no sooner was the barrier of business taken down than wolf felt impelled by some force to get volker into conversation outside the room and leave his master with the stranger the inevitable kept martin schuler from following them out of the room he found himself in almost personal contact with steinbach he got up and went to the window he desired to say something but he did not know what he uttered the words there is a sewing-machine shop opposite it belongs to the firm answered steinbach whose spirit was taken out of him a silence followed that seemed to last two years it is autumn said martin after a long time yes the trees are yellow in the country martin pretended to look at something out of the window he half wanted to laugh to clap steinbach on the back to embrace him to do everything to show how ridiculous he thought the situation the seriousness of embarrassment did not appeal to him they perpetrated another pair of sentences this time nearer the thoughts in their hearts i am fond of berlin you prefer it to leipzig this necessitated an answer martin yawned and remembered the last scene they had had in leipzig over an imaginary corpse of hella which was more violent on his part than any of the many scenes of that miserable time before his escape to berlin it was a long time since the sick illness of violent temper had come over him now he felt the cold creeping anger come up to his knees 
it rose like mercury in a thermometer suddenly subjected to great heat he said in a voice full of the metallic sounds of cruelty well as you are hostile so be it steinbach grew redder his head sunk on his breast and he readjusted his arms upon the backs of the chairs on either side of him martin had got to the door in spite of the terrible tension and of the sounds in their ears of ugly ringing and booming bells they both had a desire to make an effort of friendship but not the will steinbach began to think of nothing but hella and martin looked at him with a burning curiosity to know his opinion of his conduct it is not desirable for me to stay said martin there are a thousand things i wish to ask you but god in hell let them lie unasked perfectly perfectly just so muttered steinbach whose anger was rising up to the top of him as martin's had done i agree with you i agree with you well you have made some money off me at any rate said martin not out of smallness of mind but because he really thought that this was some consolation as indeed steinbach acknowledged to himself that it was after that he went with hesitation down to his car steinbach again went to the window a sense of loss a slight despair a vast consternation in his mind now that the meeting was over all those secret hopes that he had not admitted went through the pain of being extinguished all those natural and human feelings in connection with his separation from martin broke to the surface for a minute and he found it necessary to blow his nose upon his large white handkerchief in a few seconds he adopted again the general and commonplace view of the actions of the man he had once loved and moved away from the window in a dreary and not very satisfactory state of mind martin drove off into the country in order to see if the trees were as yellow as steinbach suggested and in order to be alone he sent wolf home in the tram for he felt moody and not altogether pleased or happy about the idea he entertained that steinbach did not think well of him am i bad am i not good have i done wrong surely i have not done wrong i was forced to act as i did i have always been forced to act as i have done and presumably having convinced himself that the faults of his life were due to the actions of others rather than to his own he regained his happiness and good temper and returned home with joy he saw that the trees in the linden were also yellow and as he drove along under their shade he lost the last vestige of second-rateness that clung to him and felt glad that never again would he find himself face to face with steinbach he stopped the car and got out to walk a little under the trees from which the beautiful thin leaves fell now and then to the ground and he paused a moment before he turned up into the street where his home was in order to appreciate the invigorating air of the october evening with its slight smell of frost of dried leaves and of aromatic wood End of part three, chapter nineteen. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.